mitzvah today, Rabotai. Uh, we do a additional mitzvah. We're up to 166. And that is the mitzvah of tum'at yoledet. That's if a lady gives birth. Automatically, after she gives birth, she becomes contaminated and forbidden to her husband. All the more so, she is forbidden and teme'a regarding coming in contact with taharot, holy things like terumah and kadashim. Uh, this is a law that the Torah teaches us that if she has a baby boy, she's teme'a for seven days. And if she has a baby girl, she's teme'a for double the amount of time, 14 days. This law comes from Parashat Tazriyah. The Pasuk says, Isha ki Tazriyah and then it says, It's in Perik Yudbet, Pesukim Now, the Chinook over here has a very long interpretation. I'll make it concise for our members. But he discusses why should it be that when a lady gives birth, automatically there's Tum'ah on her. So he says first from a biological standpoint that we know that anytime the body uh, has excess and sheds those excesses, so it is something that is bad and can cause sickness. For example, take the simple explanation when a person has a runny nose. So therefore that's being spelled from the body so you know that the body is not 100%. Or a person, let's say, is in the bathroom and is, is the runs that have deal. So therefore, we see that something's wrong with his body when it's expelling things. So when there's blood that's being expelled from the lady's body, that indicates that uh, there's something, it's not that there's something wrong, because that's biologically normal, but that she's not at the optimum uh, health that she should be in. And therefore, when a lady sees the blood, we know, he says, her body feels heavy, and everything hurts, and she's uncomfortable. Furthermore, Anybody that comes close to her at that time is coming close to something that can cause sickness as well. All the more so marital relations, which is the closest physical way that a person can attach to a lady, clearly will cause uh, negative sickness. It's almost as if he's saying that the nida of the lady is a disease and it's contagious. And he says that if the lady is impure and a child is born from during that time when she's impure, that child will have a low immune system and he will have, God forbid, a lot of sicknesses because he was born at a time where the lady herself was compromised. Furthermore, why is it that if it's a male, it's seven days and it's a female, it's born, it's 14 days. So the Chinuchovir gives a big Hidush. His rule is based again on some sort of biology that he understood. And he says that we know that when a person is uh, heated up and he has, uh, let's say, we'll call it a fever, and his body is sick with a fever, so that's less of a, uh, a sickness than if the body has the chills, the body is cold. So he says, we know that the Gemara writes that Isha Kitazriya, that if the lady sees a seed first, so then she'll have a male. That means her body is heated. And therefore, since the body was heated when she has a male, so therefore the sickness is less. Masha'en ken, it says, Ish mazriya 
then the child is a female. That means the lady was cold. The man was heated. And therefore, since uh, uh, this child came from uh, a cold, so therefore, the uh, product is going to be uh, a, a bigger mahala, and therefore, it's double the amount. Now, there's other interpretations why it should be 7 and 14. We'll introduce the opinion of the Katska Rebbe, which is a beautiful Hiddush, why it should be 7 and 14. He says that what is Tum'ah after all? Tum'ah is where there was a void of Kiddushah. That whenever Kiddushah leaves, so in its place comes Tum'ah. For example, a human being that has a Neshama, Neshama is Tehorah. When the Neshama leaves the person, so therefore Tum'ah comes in and the dead person is Abiyabot Tum'ah. So he says that the more Kiddushah that leaves, the more Tum'ah that fills that vacuum. So he writes that when a lady is, <coughs> let's say, uh, giving birth. So if she gives birth to a male, well, there's Kiddushah definitely in a child. The child has a Neshama. So therefore when that Neshama leaves her, and that, body, that body leaves her, so therefore Tum'ah is going to set in. But he says that when a lady is expecting a baby girl, it's even a higher level of Kiddushah. Because a girl is able to reproduce. And therefore, it's like God. It's like God reproduces. This lady is acting in a way of God, which is creating something that can actually create more. So therefore, the lady has acquired a measure of God. So therefore, when the girl is expelled from her body, so therefore more Kiddushah was expelled. And therefore more Tum'ah is going to set in. So it's therefore it's not a prejudice or a biased law. It's actually because they're holier. So therefore the Tum'ah that comes in is going to be on a greater level. The Chinuch then introduces the reason why God made that a lady would have a cycle outside of giving birth, a monthly cycle where she would expel blood every month. We call that the period. So he says one reason, Ladies are called da'tan kalot. That they're emotional, we'll say it that way. And then because they're emotional, sometimes they do things uh, spontaneously or they do things you know, in a rash way because they act from emotion. So therefore to calm that uh, rash behavior, they have to slow them down a little. So the nida slows them down and therefore they become a little, you know, uh, more uh, measured or low-keyed during that time. Another explanation, he says, is, is in order to keep the husband away for a certain period of time of the month. Because uh, in order to, uh, uh, to create a, uh, a desire, if a person would not have a, a time of the month where he'd be forbidden, so eventually that regularity would cause contempt. And therefore we would want to maybe go somewhere else. So therefore the Torah built in the system in a marriage where there's a certain downtime in order that, he says, They won't come to despise each other. And they won't be tempted to look at different, uh, different spouses or different mates. Now, some of the laws that relate to this mitzvah, any lady that gives birth is teme'ah, even if she doesn't see actually blood coming out, the Gemara teaches us, en pitihat kever belodam, that the uterus cannot open up unless there's some blood that was expelled. So even if you didn't see it, doesn't matter, there was blood 
that was uh, moved from that place. Uh, even a miscarriage, God forbid, causes the lady to become temeah as well. It doesn't have to be a viable child. Of course, this law applies in all places, all times, that a lady is temeah legabe a husband, and we will learn that also that if a man goes with his wife before tevilah, so he's subject to isur karet, but that's not this law over here. This law is just telling us that indeed she is temeah as a result of giving birth, and she is forbidden, again, in the marital relations and to deal with taharot. Rabotai, we continue study of the Tariag Mitzvot. Today we're learning the 167th Mitzvah. And that is that the Torah says we're not allowed to eat Kadashim, which is part of the Kurbanot or things that are Kodesh, for example, Terumah, etc. If the Kohen or the person is Tameh. This is a negative commandment from Parashat Tazriyah. Perik Yud Bet, Pasuk Dalet, Bechol Kodesh, Lotiga. Lotiga, the Achimim are learning, doesn't only mean not to touch, but also means not to eat. <clears throat> now, of course, the logic of this mitzvah is obvious. The Torah wants to teach us the severity of the Bet HaMikdash and its holy items, and therefore it's not ra'ui, only to be eaten by people that are pure. That's the uh, level of sanctity that we have to give to these important items. Some of the laws that apply, number one, a tameh <coughs> uh, that has tum'ad de oraita. Again, only a tum'ad de oraita. If he enters the Beit HaMikdash with his tum'ah, he indeed is hayab karet. Furthermore, if he eats from the korban uh, when he was tameh, he also is hayab karet. But there's one uh, qualification. It's only talking about where he eats from the korban after they brought the part that goes on the mizbeah, which means the meat has to become mutar to eat, which means they bring the halib on the mizbeah, and then the rest of the meat becomes permissible. That's called anchi yikribu matirav. It's matir, the rest of the animal to be eaten. Then if he eats it with tum'ah, is going to be hayav karet. And it's a very important law that should be mentioned over here at this point. The law is that this is such a severe case of avon that all avonot are usually atoned with one korban. However, the avon of entering the Beit HaMikdash betum'ah or eating kadashim betum'ah needs, now pay attention closely, no less than 32 korbanot in order to atone. Where did he get these 32 korbanot? Chamim uh, say, first, the Sa'id la'azazel on Yom Kippur is mechaper v'tum'at kadashim v'kadashav. Number two, all the Sa'idim that are brought on Rashi Chodashim, Sa'id of Rosh Chodesh is mechaper al-tum'at mekdash v'kadashav. So that's another 12 right there as well as all the si'ilim that are brought in the musaf of yomim tovim, amechaper al-tum'at mikdash ve'kadashav. So you need a monthly atonement, 32 in all. It shows you how serious this crime is to eat the varim shebeketushah betum'ah. Now, there is an exception, of course, to the rule, and that is the law of tum'ah hutra besibud. That if the majority of the people of the sibud are temeim, so then the Torah waives the law and allows the korban to be brought bitum'ah. But I must point out 
that in most korbanot sibur, most, I say almost all, that they allow you to bring the korban betum'ah, but they do not allow you to eat it betum'ah. Tum'ah rabbi sibur does not allow them to eat it betum'ah, just allows them to bring it and get the kapara. There's one exception to that, and that is korban pesah. When we say tumah utrabe sibur by korban pesah, even the achila is going to be permissible. Why the distinction? Distinction is clear. When it comes to other korbanot, what's the main part of the korban? The bringing of the blood in order to give atonement, kapara. But the main part of pesah is not the bringing it, the main part is the eating it. And therefore, the main part is waived, which is the eating. Now, this mitzvah applies only at the times of the Bet HaMikdash. Obviously, it applies to male and female alike. And if a person who transgressed and went and ate a kezayit of Kodesh, when it was Tahor, and he was Tamed de Oraita, if he did it be Mezid, he's Hayab Karet. Beshogeg, he's Hayab a Korban Oleh Viyored. Now, if, let's say, he ate the, let's say he was Tamed, and he went to the mikveh. Beautiful. Well, he's not tahor until sunset. We call that he'erev shemesh. Or he's not tahor until he brings a korban. Sometimes you need to also have mikveh with kapara. They call that mechusar kapara. So let's say he ate the korban in between. After mikveh, but before he'erev shemesh. Or after mikveh, before he brought his kapara. The chinuk writes, he's hayav, but not karet. It's Hayab Malkut. So therefore we have three different scenarios. Sometimes Hayab Karet, that's where he's Tamed the Oraita and he did not start the process of all at all. He, we have the case where he started the process but he didn't finish, that'll be Hayab Malkut. And then we have the case where he did it Bishogeg, that's Hayab Kurban Oleh Biyored. Again, this reminds us that whenever we're engaging in things of Tahara, of Kodesh, it uh, demands of the person to try to be as holy as he is, not, not kedai, not uh, proper, to engage in holy things, but with tumah at the same time. It's a lesson that we can learn for practical service of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. We're coming to the Bet Knesset, which is obviously Kodesh, we're involved in studying of the Torah, we cannot mix Kedushah and tumah together. There's a demand that the person and his thoughts and his uh, lifestyle should be a pure lifestyle, and then uh, it has a greater value when he engages with the Varim Shabbat Kedushah. Baruch Rabotai, we continue our study of the Tariyag Mitzvot. We're up to the 168th Mitzvah. And that's the Mitzvah that a pregnant lady, after she gives birth, must bring a Korban. It's a positive commandment, Parashat Tazriyah. And that is that whether she has a boy or a girl, she must go through certain days that she is temeah, contaminated, then she goes through certain days that her emissions are pure. When she finishes the process, uh, she must bring korbanot. It is a keves ben shenatole ola. It's a uh, one uh, sheep, one year old for korban ola, and a bird, either a dove or a tor, a tor, turtle dove, and that is for hatat. Of course, that's only if she can afford it. If she cannot afford it, and she's a poor lady, so then she brings shtetorim. She brings two turtle doves. One will be for a uh, korban ola, and one will be for korban hatat. The source pasuk, u'bimlot yemei tahara leben o lebat, tavi. 
that when she finishes the process of purity, whether it's for a boy or a girl, she shall bring. Bring what? A korban. Pesukim are found, Yudbet, chapter, Pasuk, Vav. Now the Shoresh of this mitzvah, why would it be that a lady after she gives birth has to bring a korban? So the Chinook over here gives two explanations. Kedeh shetet orer metoka pe'ula latet hoda'a lahashem baruchu shehetzila mechebele yildeda shehu davar nes. He says that for a lady to give birth and survive it and everybody be healthy is nothing short than an open miracle. And therefore, you have to have a karatatov. So the korban, according to the hinuch, the underpinnings of it, at least the korban ola shebo, is really a korban of hoda'ah. It's like a Thanksgiving korban that she survived the nes. Number two, he says, where does the korban hatat come in? What sin did she have by giving birth? The explanation is, based on the Gemara that says, She'isha kofetzet v'nishba'at be'et sireha she'lot zakek od le'ish. She makes a swear that she'll never go next to her husband again because he got her into this trouble that she's giving birth and she has all this pain. So she vows that she'll never go back to her husband. Now obviously, after it's all over, she regrets it. But because she made that shivuat sheker, so therefore she needs a korban chatat to atone for the uh, swear that she made. Now some of the laws that apply to this mitzvah, if she gives birth to a male, meaning a baby boy, her korban is brought on day 41 from the birth. If it's a nekeba, the korban is brought on day 81. Let's say the time passed. She didn't bring it on day 41 or 81 respectively. So she has to bring it uh, at a later time, which means it's not only on that date, that's the earliest she can bring the korban. But if she delays it, the Torah says she's forbidden to eat kadashim, which means korbanot and things that are sanctified until she actually brings this korban, she is forbidden from eating kadashim. Uh, now the Hadush of the Chinuch also is, we bring the korban of the Yoledet even shelolidata, even without her knowledge, meaning, let's say she designated an animal for a korban. The Kohen can take it and just bring it on her behalf. This is a korban for kapara, so so long as the Kohen has her in mind, you don't need her yidi'ah. This law clearly applies only when the Beit HaMikdash was around, this is a rare mitzvah that only applies to women. does not apply to men, obviously. A lady that transgresses this mitzvah does not bring a korban. She is transgressing a positive commandment, and she's considered mehuseret kapara. She lacks kapara, and as we said, she would be forbidden to eat kadashim. Language now, I'm quoting of the hinuch. Ve'oila im tamut kodem shetekrebenu. Woe to her if she dies before she actually brings this korban. Now today, we don't have this mitzvah, obviously, but there's a big discussion amongst the poskim, the gabe, a lady that gives birth, although she doesn't bring these korbanot, but she does have to give gratitude to Kadosh Baruch Hu. Hachabavadya'a ezid as well, in Chalik Yutet, held that the lady should say birkata gomel, 
as a you know uh, gratitude for the fact that she gave birth. Some question in the Birkata Gomel that says that Gomel Hayavim that Bore Olam does kindness to Hayavim to those that are guilty. Now, why is the lady that's giving birth considered Hayavim? What sin did she do? Well, based on what we just learned, that she made that shivuah shaken when she was giving birth. So even though she makes a shivuah, so she's making a sin at the time that she's in labor. And still, like Baruch Hu, made everything work out good. So, another explanation might be that the Gemara says that when a lady is <coughs> in a time of sakana, for that matter, we learned in the Gemara that any time a person is in sakana, so they, the books are open in heaven. And they start to scrutinize if uh, they're guilty, especially when they're in danger. It's easy for just to push them over the, uh, you know, over the cliff. So therefore, when a lady is giving birth, she's nibdeket, she's checked for other sins. And uh, if nonetheless she gives birth healthily, so therefore the berakha would be appropriate. That even though they might have found something on her, but tovot, ultimately Borei Olam gave her a kindness. So therefore, even though the mitzvah of bringing the korbanot doesn't apply, the underpinnings of the mitzvah definitely applies today. And therefore, the Acham said a lady should either come to the Bet Knesset after it gives birth, and from the ladies' section, should just belt out the Berachav and Gomel in front of 10 men, which was the custom in his synagogue. Every Shabbat, there was always a lady in the ladies' section that you would hear after the Sefer say the Bekat Gomel, or at the Zohar Kadosh, which our custom is for a boy at least, that uh, she should come downstairs with and just to make the Berachah in front of the 10 men in order to show her gratitude. Rabotai, we continue the study of Tariyag Mitzvot. Today we're up to number 169. And that is the Mitzvah of Tum'at's Mitzorah, the law of the leprosy. It's a positive commandment, Parashat Tazriyah. The definition of this Mitzvah is that anybody that suspects that they might have leprosy on their body, they must immediately go to the Kohen in order to ask uh, guidance regarding the leprosy, and the Kohen will either tell him that it's Tameh, or he'll give him uh, a, uh, a clearance that he's Tahor, and he has to then follow all the instructions that the Torah tells us regarding uh, Mitzorah, <clears throat> exactly like the Kohen tells him. Uh, he should not treat it just as a, you know, a regular sickness that happens, he has to pay attention uh, and recognize that this was because of his sins and therefore make the proper rectification. The source pasuk is uh, in Perek Yudgima Pasuk Bet, Adam ki ye be'or besaro bechule behuva el Aaron kohen o el ha'ad ebara bekohanim. If he has sara'at, he must go to one of the kohanim. Now the inyan of the sara'at, what does it mean? What does it look like? So the Torah tells us that there's a certain whitening of the skin on one part of the body or several parts of the body. And uh, it's a deep white. Uh, the minimum uh, whiteness has to be, the Gemara says, the same color of krum betza, which is like the membrane of uh, the inside of an egg, which is a light white. But of course, uh, anything darker than that would also be in the category of white, which is considered problematic. Now, there's four types of sara'at. There are two primary and two secondary. The primary sara'at is called se'et and baheret. Now, se'et 
is white like wool, and Baharit is white like snow. And then you have the two secondary Sara'ats, which is called Sapahat. Now the word Sapahat just means secondary. So you have Sapahat of Se'et, and you have Sapahat of Baharit. And the, the colors of the Sapahat of Se'et would be like we said, the membrane of an egg, and the sapahat of Baharit would be like the color of white limestone. Now what's the reason why Hashem gave us such a mitzvah? <clears throat> it's in order to remind us of divine providence, that nothing happens specifically by human beings in their lives unless it's preordained from heaven. And therefore this is not just a random sickness that he caught a virus or something. <clears throat> this is coming from God in order to wake him up to make the shuvah, specifically sarat comes for sins that are connected to la shonara. That's why he has to go to the kohen for guidance, because the kohen generally represents the man that is in charge of bringing kaparat to Klai Israel through the korbanot. So therefore, you don't go to a doctor in this case; you go to a kohen because you know that there's a spiritual malady in this, and therefore you need his advice how to make the proper teshuvah. Now, regarding some of the laws that surround this mitzvah, so, number one, the law is that the tzara'at has to be a certain size. And the achamim says the size of a, a gris. Uh, just to know the size, basically, it's six hairs by six hairs. That would be the square of the shi'ud. Now, there's three signs of tzara'at that is tameh. It is important to know the three signs the Torah mentions them. Number one, that there is a white hair growing in the middle of this white patch. That is definitely a sign of Tum'ah. Or there is Mihyat uh, Basar, which means uh, high. There's live flesh in the middle of the dead flesh. That is a sign that is Tameh immediately. There's another sign that is that the sarat starts to spread. Once it starts to spread, the Torah refers to that as pasaha nega. So, for example, let's say he comes to the Kohen, and the Kohen sees, you know, no white hair, and he doesn't see any live flesh in the middle of the sarat, so he'll put him in what's called hesked, which is quarantine pending, and then when he comes back after a week, if they see it spread, then immediately he'll render him tameh. So that is the third sign. Uh, so again, if none of these signs uh, were there initially, and then a week later, uh, one of the signs appeared, so then already he gets a second week of quarantine. Uh, and then uh, if nothing happens after the second week, then he's conclusively uh, tahor. That means nothing can happen after two weeks. If no signs appear after two weeks, then already we, uh, we let him go. Almost like today, that the quarantine is uh, minimum two weeks. The Torah says <clears throat> that after a week, let's say, if the uh, sara'at starts to change its color and becomes lighter, so then he is tahor. Now, of course, when we say lighter, it means less than the whiteness of the membrane of an egg. The law applies bismanazeh, not so, not so, not bismanazeh, but applies by uh, males and females, uh, at, at times that we have Kohanim that are experts in order to, uh, you know, to read the uh, Sarat. According to Harambam, 
big chadush, that even though the Mitzorah today cannot bring a korban, obviously we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, however when the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt, he has to keep note if he did indeed get Sara'at, and he was uh, you know, diagnosed, so then already he would have to bring a, uh, a korban. Now if a person, in the olden days for example, got Sara'at, and he did not go to the Kohen, and he disregarded it and didn't pay attention to it. So the Hanuk writes, he transgressed this positive commandment. And then he says a very strong line. And he writes, He says, to me it seems that if a person neglects going to the Kohen when he has signs of Sarat, his punishment should be, that the Sarat should remain on him forever. And those that are acting in a good way, God should bring them a healing. That is a fantastic mahloket amongst the Rishonim when the Torah comes along and says that the Mitzorah is put in Hesger. What does this mean, this word Hesger? Now, we understood it is that it's referring to the leper himself that when we are not sure, and the Quran is not sure of the diagnosis, so he puts him in a hesker, which means they lock him up, which is a seven-day quarantine in a house. The hesker is going on the leper himself, that he is put into a quarantine. However, there are other Rishonim that learn that it's referring to the leprosy is put into hesker. What does that mean? That the Kohen takes some ink and he makes a marker's around the Sarah, which means he frames it, he puts it in the Hesked, why would he do that? So the next time when he comes, he will know if it's spread or not, that if it went past the borders. So therefore, the Hesked is not going on the leper, but it's going on the leprosy. Now the Minhat Hinuch proved that Harambam goes like that opinion. Uh, why? Because he quotes Harambam in the laws of Tzara'at that says, that if after Hesker, let's say uh, the, 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 uh, the, lepers, the leper was in, let's say, a quarantine, and now they're coming for the second checkup. And let's say in between checkups, the first Kohen who checked them died. So now you've got to bring another Kohen, and another Kohen has to make a diagnosis. However, the second Kohen, Maimonides says, cannot make him tamer because of spreading sada'at. Because he doesn't know where it was in the beginning. So we see that Harambam must hold they didn't make markers on the uh, body of the Mitzorah. Because if they did, just let him look at the markers and he'll know whether it's spread or not and if we can make him tamer. From the fact that Maimonides writes that the second Kohen cannot render a person tamer uh, on a spreading sada'at, that must mean he understands that his scare is not on the uh, Sara'at itself, but it is on the Mitzorah. Again, these laws don't apply today. However, the lesson applies that when a person, God forbid, comes down with something, he has to recognize that it's from God, and then he has to make the proper spiritual uh, adjustments. Botai, Tariag Mitzvot, we're up to 170. And that is not to shave the hair of a netek. Negative commandment in Parashat Tazriya. What is a netek? Netek is one of the forms of leprosy that finds itself on the head or on the beard. 
the telltale signs of netek is that the person's hair starts to fall out for no good reason. Uh, and therefore, uh, it is considered a blemish. And one of the signs that it is a form of sara'at is that in the middle of that bald spot grows two hairs that are yellow. Now the Torah says that it's forbidden to pull out those hairs because then you're trying to hide the signs of Tum'ah. And therefore you have to leave the signs there in order that the Kohen will be able to make a proper determination if it is Sara'at or not. The Pasuk says, netek lo the Hanukkah over here gives a very strong musar why it would be forbidden to pull out those hairs. Remez, she isbol kol adam eze sa'ar ve'eze onesh she anshuhu Hashem. person has to accept whatever uh, sa'ar, whatever difficulties or pain or punishment ve'lo yib'at bahem. That a person should not buck them and try to resist it. Don't think that you have control to get rid of the malady. This guy doesn't want to show that he has sarat, so he thinks he'll pull out the hairs, and therefore he'll bypass the tzad. Of course, you can't run from God. Is able to catch him. So a person thinks that he can control his own destiny by, you know, hiding and concealing the signs. He's making a mistake. So what should he do? Let him pray to God that God should ultimately give him a refuah and cure his ailments. But a person shouldn't think that he can uh, outsmart the Gezerah Vashem. This Mitzvah is no heget, male and female alike. It applies in all places, but it only applies, obviously, at a time where there is a Kohen, who is a Hakam, who is fit in order to determine Niga'im. If somebody comes along and transgresses this uh, mitzvah and pulls out the hairs from the netik, he has transgressed this negative commandment and he is punished by malkut, by lashes. Indeed, it is a lav sheyesh bo maaseh. All right, Abotai, we continue the study of the Tariyag Mitzvot, Mitzvah number 171. And that is the Mitzvah of the Mitzorah, the leper, that he must rip his clothes and grow his hair. It's a positive commandment in Parashat Tazriyah. The Pasuk says, Begadav yihiyu firumim. Which means his clothes should be ripped and torn and his hair should grow. It's Perek Yud Gimal Pasuk Memhe. Now the Sifra comes along and adds and says that other types of Temeim, not Mitzuraim, also have to give an indication to the Sibur so they should know that they are Temeim. So what do they do? They have to broadcast it to Ma'ah and they say, Tameh, Tameh, in order that everybody should know that they are Tameim. However, the Mitzvah is an additional indication 
That not only does he have to scream, Tameh, Tameh, in order to let the people know to keep away, but he has to rip his clothes and grow his hair. So that's a new reason that we have for this. That it's really just a, uh, an indication. So the people say, oh, the guy's clothes are ripped, his hair is growing, must be, he's contaminated, therefore, keep the distance. Now, what's the underpinnings of this mitzvah? The Hinuk says a tremendous musar. Shehadam yikar demyon adam. He has to ask himself, why am I being ostracized and isolated from people? Why am I being pushed to the side? Why am I alone? Must be because of the sin. One of the things in the world that we enjoy is being social. And we take that away from the person because it's a hana'ah from this world. And therefore, it comes to remind him of his sin. Furthermore, the Midrash writes that primarily tzarat comes because of speaking Lashon Hara. So the Midrash says, Who hivdil balashon hara ben ish ishto ben adam lachavero that since he separated through his divisive tongue between men and his friend, men and his wife, so he'll be separated from society as well. And therefore, he has to let everybody know, keep away from me. And therefore, it's midah keneged midah. The Gemara says, that in the measure that a person behaves, that's the way they behave. He was dividing up the people, so therefore he's divided and separated from the people. Now, over here, the Sifra Hanu goes off on a little tangent, and he says, don't think for a second that God's uh, uh, dealing with people is vengeful, or it's, God forbid, a punishment. Because we're saying, uh, the, the measure that you act to God, that's where he acts with you. So it sounds like it's... Uh, you know, a revenge, or tit for tat, or something like that. He says, Chaz v'shalom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate good. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only chesed. Lo yanum velo yishan, shomer Yisrael. He's constantly watching. And the explanation is, from the receiving end, if we want to be receiving the blessing of God, which is always coming down, you have to have a vessel to receive it. And therefore, if a person is behaving in a certain proper manner, so then he's suitable to receive the blessing that comes down from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. However, if he does not act in a certain manner, so he himself did it to himself. It's not that God is necessarily uh, rebuking him and taking a revenge. You yourself are not doing it. There's a hole in the, uh, in the keli. So therefore, the beracha cannot come down. And therefore, he says, a mashal. He's if a person is walking down you know, a narrow road, and all of a sudden, he veers to the right where there's thorns. And he rubs against the thorns and he cuts himself. Who can he blame that on? Nobody but himself. He did it himself. He had free will to go the straight road. And he chose to go on the, you know, on the side. And therefore, he caused it to himself. You can't say, well, God did that to me. He wasn't careful. And therefore, he quotes from one of the rabbis, He Hashem Echad. God is one, meaning the shepherd that comes down from God is always good. So where is the uh, distinction? The distinction is on the people, on the receivers. That means sometimes you have people that are worthy to receive it, and sometimes they are not. But whose fault is that? That's himself, because he did not be careful. 
Now, the laws of the mitzvah is that a musgad eno porea uporem. We learned yesterday that there's two stages in the mitzvah. It's the first week when he's still under, you know, uh, inspection. And then you have what's called mitzvah muhlat, where he's confirmed to be a mitzvah. The only law of ripping clothes and growing hair is on the mitzvah muhlat. And of course, once already he becomes tahor, after being a muhlat, he must shave his hair. This law applies at all times that there are kohanim that know how to read niga'im. And if a person who had sara'at, he didn't follow this law of cutting his hair and uh, ripping his clothes, he transgresses a positive commandment. It's worthy at this moment to mention what Rabbi Yohanan Ibishit said. What's the reason uh, why the word hisger is used by a misura? So we understand hisger means he's in quarantine, he's sagur, he's locked up. But he comes along and says, He's in his gate because the gates of heaven are closed. Why? Because how do we reach heaven? Through our mouths. But since the Mesorah's mouth is malfunctioned because it speaks Lashonara, so therefore the gates of heaven are closed. He cannot access it through his mouth, meaning Tefillah, the mouth is broken. That's why he says... He has to tell other people that he's Tamer to give an answer so they'll pray for him. Rabbi asks, pray for yourself. He can't pray for himself. His, bra- his mouth is out of order until he makes the Shuvah for Lashonara. The mouth that speaks Lashonara cannot be used for uh, Tefillah. As the Pasuk says, Lo yahel devaro And the Darshanim learned, do not profane your mouth, your words. And then, then whatever comes out of your mouth, God will listen to. But if your mouth is profaned, so therefore God cannot answer. So he says the Mitzorah needs to employ other people to pray for him because he cannot pray for himself. As the Gemara Shabbat says in Samach Zayin. That might explain also why in the beginning of the Yom Kippur service, we ask God forgiveness for sins of speech. Mainly, Nidarim, Shavuot, Haramim, Kunamim, etc. Why? Because we're going to spend the next 25 hours using our mouth to pray. But if the mouth was used to do all these types of swearing and cursing and different things, so the mouth is not going to have functionality. So first we have to ask forgiveness for sins of speech, and then once the mouth is in order again, so we can pray. So that's the reason why he's called the Muskar. He's not only closed and locked up and confined in his room, but he's also closed from the upper heavens, and therefore he needs others to pray for him until he's able to make the rectification. For that, we continue the Tariyag Mitzvot, and uh, today we are up to the 172nd Mitzvah in the Torah, which is the Mitzvah that relates to Neg'eh Begadim. It's the Tzara'at, that finds itself on garments. It's a positive commandment to follow this law. It's in Parashat Tazriyah, the source Pasuk, ki yebo The law is over here that there are some times that the leprosy will find itself, for example, on a person's clothes. What's the lesson from such a mitzvah? Why would God bring Sara'at on the person's garments. So the Shorish, the root of the mitzvah is as follows, and I'm quoting verbatim. 
שרצה האל ברוך הוא בטובו הגדול לייסרנו כאשר ייסר איש את בנו. God is like a merciful father that wants to rebuke. The rebuke of God is not necessarily to hurt or to punish, but it's in order to, to teach and to make the, the son better. It's clear that when leprosy comes on a garment, it is above nature. The Hinuch calls it a mofet. It's, it's a wonder. Only the holy nation, the Jewish people, experience this. Why? In order they should learn a lesson and take musar. Especially when they're garments that are primarily used for their, you know, for their purpose, commonly. And these are their garments. Like we're going to learn, only the garments of wool and linen. So what is that going to cause them to do? When they see this wonder on their garments, it will cause them to be aroused and wake up and make the shuvah from their bad ways. Before it gets worse. The Hinuch reminds us that tzara'at abegid is just the beginning of a process. And if the person doesn't repent, then the tzara'at gets a little closer to home, namely on his body. So therefore it's a wake-up call. And obviously you can't um, disregard it because it's such, something so wondrous. How did this tzara'at all of a sudden come on the guy's sweater, on the guy's shirt? So therefore I has to wake him up and bring him back to Teshuvah. Some of the laws that apply to this mitzvah, so as we said, the Torah says that only two types of garments receive tumat negaim, and that's beget semer and beget pishtim. That's only wool and linen. Number two, the shi'ur of the tzara'at on the garment has to be the size of a grease. Number three, there's three types of uh, indicators that will tell us whether this sara'at on the beged is tameh or not. Number one, yerakrak. Yerakrak is very green, which means that after uh, two quarantines, after the second quarantine, if the Kohen sees that it is very green, so then already he becomes what's called a metzora muhlat, or adamdam. Adamdam means very red. Or what's called pision. Pision means that the negah starts to spread. And therefore, once it starts spreading, the Kuwait immediately knows that this is the real thing and he becomes a mesora muhlat. Finally, the laws of Neg'eh Begadim, this is a, a very important point, do not only apply to Begadim, they apply to all vessels that are subject to Tum'ah. Any item that's subject to tumat met or tumat sheretz is subject to tumat negaim, even though it might not be subject to tumat medrasazav. Medrasazav usually is things that are lied on and uh, sat on. But even though it might not be subject to that type of tumah, so take for example a parochet, it's shayach to tumat begadim, begadim, or huh? right has to be wool or linen, or a vilon, a curtain. Or, for example, the mitpachot that they have on the sefarim is to put like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a certain cloth on the sefer Torah or on the regular sefarim. All those items over there are subject to tum'ah 
and therefore they have tumat neg'eh begadim as well. The mitzvah is no heget on the clothes of male and female alike. Uh, obviously, it applies only at the time when we have kohanim that are experts to diagnose this type of sanaat. And if one has these things on his garment and does not follow the procedure, he has transgressed a positive commandment.